0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com/be to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com/be. This B podcast network show is presented by IXL, loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers. IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we talk to students, educators, and thought leaders who are innovators and creatives in education. I'm your host, Tanya Sheckley. Thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm here today with Daniel Bauer. He's the chief ruckus maker at Better Leaders, Better Schools, where he coaches leaders to help them level up through creating a space where leaders feel courageous and can explore the tough questions he presents. He's a former teacher and school principal, as well as a marathon runner. Welcome, Daniel. I'm so glad to see you this morning.
2: Thanks, Tanya, for having me on the show and uh, just saying hello to all the rebel educators out there. This is awesome. Thank you so much.
1: So I imagine through your work with Better Leaders, Better Schools, you have the opportunity to talk to lots of different school leaders, and I would guess that they have many challenges in common. Can you give us an example of some of the tough questions that school leaders are grappling with today and during this period of time?
2: Yeah, you know, obviously, like, what does it look like to pivot during the pandemic has been a consistent discussion. and. One thing that I think our community navigated quite successfully because of the community support, right? The other thing that's nice about the, the structure of uh, the mastermind is that people go first. So you'll have this personal board of directors you can rely on for help and uh, you know there were schools that were going back face to face much before other schools and they can learn from their example. So that that's something that we discuss all the time. But other things too, you know, teacher shortages are very real and uh, substitutes and those type of challenges, like fill in classrooms with adults who can lead it. Uh, We're always talking about like culture, ownership, transfer of uh, power and buy-in, relationship building, that kind of stuff. And we get into a lot about, you know, mindset. Believe it or not, you know, we all have this imposter syndrome and folks sometimes just question and doubt the value that they're creating for their organization or if it's the right path and that kind of thing. And that's why it's really helpful to have a a group of trusted advisors that you can run your ideas by and they'll tell you what's working and what's not and uh, help you make those better. So those are a few of the topics, but there's many more, of course.
1: Can you talk a little bit about how and why you started the mastermind? If I remember the story correctly, you were working as a principal and you found or maybe it was in business after working in schools, you found a group that was similar to this, that was coaching and a group that kind of operated as a board of directors and you hadn't seen anything like that for schools. Can you talk about the problem you were looking to solve and, and how that started?
2: Yeah, you, you basically got it right. You know, It was 2015 and my podcast was launched back then, six years ago in September, September 2nd, 2015. And I joined the Mastermind at that time, And my curiosity was just, how do I grow a show and impact a lot of my listeners, the leaders, you know, uh, in local schools? And within six months, I had just such profound return on investment and transformation personally and professionally. That's when the uh, metaphorical light bulb went off. And I said, whoa, who's connecting school leaders like this, right? Uh, These structures of masterminds exist quite prevalently in the business world. But when I did some research, I didn't see it at all in education. And I'm a, I'm a communal guy. You know, I love relationships. And to tell you the truth, back in the day, I wanted to have these like dinner parties within Chicago, invite, you know, the brightest, uh, most talented, interesting educators I knew to the table and just talk about education and leadership at a deep level. But those dinners never got off the ground. And my cooking's good, too. So it's not the food, right? <laughs> it was, uh, I think it's like child care, traffic, just prioritizing stuff. And the greatest irony is when I opened up, you know, sort of this dinner party that eventually became the mastermind to the world, it was much easier to connect on a consistent basis. And I uh, have the kind of discussions that, you know, my soul was longing for. And so that's a bit about, you know, how I got started in in masterminds.
0: Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with ed tech? Tools that assume every student learns the same way at the same pace. I need my technology to do more for me. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K to 12 curriculum, and that it's proven benefit to all student populations, including English learners and students in special education programs iXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that iXL schools outperform non-iXL schools. On state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies iXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with iXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how iXL can help. Visit ixl.com slash B for a demo. That's ixl.com slash B-E. That's great. That's a great story. I'm picturing dinner
1: parties at your home in Chicago. Sounds like fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. They work.
1: It's similar to how I started the podcast. Like I realized that I had this opportunity to talk to some of the greatest minds and thought leaders in education. And then get a more well-rounded view with students and educators, too. But I had this opportunity to talk to people that I've found so enriching and engaging. And I hope all the rebel educators out there do, too. But it's been such a great experience. Yeah. So we launched businesses on similar timelines. So my school originally got its 501c3 in 2015 as well. Wow. We've both been building. So I'd love to ask you about your podcast. I know it's sometimes a little unconventional to ask a podcast guest about their podcast, but you're the host of the category king of educational leadership conversations, both on iTunes and on Spotify with the Better Leaders, Better School and the School Leadership series. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts of some of the leaders you've talked to and some of the episodes that have been most impactful.
2: I have to double check the download numbers, uh, but for years and years, the number one downloaded show was with a couple, Jeff and Sonia Tomlinson. They're up in British Columbia. And the topic of the podcast was really actually mindfulness and taking a breath to relieve stress. I found that super interesting because more of the conversations I have are really geared towards like leadership and ideas and like, what do you do in these type of situations? Again, how do you build culture and so on? Uh, but this one was really about like taking care of yourself as a leader, right? Which is something I'm equally passionate about, but I never would have guessed that that would be the number one downloaded show. And this is, you know, this is back in like 2017 or so before things have gotten even more stressful, right? And so I always found that interesting. Some other ones that i really loved, like Jesse Cole from the Savannah Bananas. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's got a really interesting story. Long story short is like he runs this baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. And I said, Jesse, like what even what kind of level is that? You know, it's not pro, it's not minor league. It's it's actually college summer baseball or something is the way he described it. Basically, the the type of baseball that really nobody cares about. But he is such a dynamic leader. Uh, that he has sold out their games for years, right? And this is something that's just absolutely bonkers in, in that kind of space. Cause normally there's just a handful of people in the stands. The way he did it in there was just such a great lesson there for, you know, the ruckus maker that listens to my show or the rebel educator that listens to yours. It's like, how do you do things differently in a remarkable way that really is so? Appealing that the experience travels by word of mouth and people can't get enough, you know? And so he redefined what his organization was all about, right? So again, educators think it's not a school, think it's not a classroom. For Jesse, it wasn't a baseball team. He said, We're an entertainment organization and we're going to be called fans first, right? So everything, all the decisions they made and how they approached the game of baseball. Was like fan first in mind, not like player centric and salary. It's easier to do probably with a college summer baseball team, but they do all sorts of stuff. Like they had uh they they ran games from the ninth inning to the first, right? And they sing the seventh inning stretch in the third because they were going backwards. Uh, he wears a big yellow tux to every single game because they're the Savannah Bananas. I forget the catchy name they have, but they they had a, a group of grandmas that come in and sing and dance, you know, for the crowd. And they're just beloved in their uh, community. And so that was, that was a really cool show. One, not because, you know, just because I know him, but his approach to leadership is so fresh and unique. I think that's the kind of thinking we need in education to uh, dream about what's possible. So those are, the, those are two examples. And then obviously, I mean, I've talked to really amazing giants in our industry, like a Paul Bambrick Santoyo, you know, Leverage Leadership. Or uh, Eric Scheninger is actually about to record with me to talk about his new book. So just like you, you get to have very interesting conversations with amazing uh, leaders in our space.
1: I want to see him in his bright yellow tux in the middle of summer because that sounds both amazing and like terrible for him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But you talked
1: about how he like looked at the team from a different perspective, and reinvented the team, not as a baseball team, but as a fan experience. So do you see people doing that throughout your mastermind? And do you see school leaders shifting their thinking the way they look at school? And what what does that look like for some of the school
2: leaders? Sure. We, We try to have those conversations. And I think one of the other sort of high level discussions that come up quite a bit, it's like, you know, how do you color outside the lines or play outside the boundaries of the box when there is one because of the bureaucracy of school, right? And so I think, you know, the, the best recommendation I ever have for leaders that I support is to run experiments and run pilots and uh, to see how it works. And that if you get traction, you could always scale what that might look like. So from a high level, that's something that we do. I'm not thinking of anything specifically or, you know, that would be groundbreaking that I could share, you know, with the rebel educator listening right now. Uh That might also be a function of the morning and only a half cup of coffee <laughs> to the date, but <laughs> it's me just being real.
1: <laughs> right on. So when you, you know, when you envision school and school changes and redesigning or reimagining school, what does that idea of a utopian education look like? in your head, if you were going to build the dream school?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Tanya. And I can't wait, you know, when you're on my show, just to hear about the great work you're already doing and how you're going to approach a similar question. You know, what like an ideal version of education, some of the things I think about has to do with like equity and justice, that it doesn't matter, you know, where you're born or where you're coming from, that you have access to just an incredibly high quality experience, right? And we know that's not the case right now. And so I think that's got to be a foundational pillar for, you know, uh, education community, like, and how they're going to serve their kids. So that's something that I think about a lot. Another aspect of it is just the relevance, right? Making learning extremely authentic. And of course, you know, there's there's history, there's textbook, there are some traditional pieces that we'll want to keep. But there has to be a greater emphasis, I think, on the, uh, the authentic learning experiences. And that's where we could build a bridge to the community, you know, and make the learning come true. If you're in an environmental science class and talking about global warming and all this kind of stuff, well, get out in the community and like do something about it. Like, There's real practical steps that you can do absolutely right now. So that's another aspect that I would do is just like project-based very relevant authentic learning. And I would want to re, you know, redesign just what the space looks like as well. Schools often have kind of like a hospital/prison slash prison vibe and I don't know that either are very like welcoming or creative, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh and it's just it, it actually hampers that and dampens the whole experience. And so um just even like in a very real term we we, we um, Closed and moved moved into my, I'm a first time homeowner, right? And moved in in July. That's been a great experience. And then the basement has the hospital tiles, right? And those crazy fluorescent, just ugly, ugly lights that's coming out <laughs> as soon as possible. Now I could do that because I'm the homeowner, but it's about the experience we want people to have in our home, right? And what are the actual like emotions that we want people to experience while they're there? uh, you know, and the connectedness, the warmth, you know, that kind of thing in terms of the the basement, like games and you know what I'm talking about. So I think just like from a design perspective, schools can really, and to me, it's low hanging fruit. The biggest constraint would be figuring out the resources part of that. But I bet there's some really awesome people in the community who would love to help, you know, with a building project like that. So And I speak from experience too, because when I was leading in Chicago, AP at the time, our principal did a fantastic job building a bridge with a, uh, is actually a Dutch company in Chicago. You know, they were into trading, right? Bonds and stocks and this kind of stuff. But they were very interested in computer science as well. Had a lot of engineers on their team to build the algorithms and so on and so forth. And anyways, they they had in their uh, organization some kind of goal of being a support within the community. And so we were a perfect partnership and they helped to redesign and outfit like our whole STEM and computer science program, bringing in the flexible furniture, uh, all the sort of machines that the kids would use. And that was the hottest class on campus, right? Because it was so fresh, it was so new. It wasn't just desks and all the traditional stuff that you normally see and kids flocked to that area. So just with a little bit of Hard work and the right partnership. It transformed the educational experience for our kiddos.
1: Absolutely. You make a great space about environment. And I had a conversation last season with Jill Akers from Fielding International. And that's what they do is they design educational spaces to be student centered and to be, yeah, you know, to have the environment and the feeling and the atmosphere that's most conducive for student learning and creativity and community and all the things that we want in our schools. And you brought up another good point about, you know, how do we bridge to the community and how do we help our students take what they're learning in school and really make it relevant? At UP Academy, one of our graduate standards is influencing action, which is exactly that. How do you take what you're learning in the classroom and influence action in the world around you?
2: Yes. Love it.
1: So another piece of what you talked about was the equity piece with how big of a gap there is among some of our schools with funding with the type of education they're getting, with the type of development their teachers are getting to support their students. Now, I know it's something that we talked a little bit last time about when we talked about kids and bringing kids into the school system here and even having biracial kids in America right now. You know, with all mm-hmm. of the social movement and social justice, do you see that coming up in your mastermind with leaders talking about the racial inequities, about social justice, about the socioeconomic gap that we have and and how to, I mean, how to work towards minimizing that for sure, but also how to educate for that and with that so that our students grow up with the skills to continue working on those solutions.
2: Right. Well, you know, I push, I push that conversation purposely, intentionally within our community. and. That's because, one, you have to learn from the mistakes of the past to create a better future, right? Or you're doomed to repeat those same mistakes. And so that's that's important. And then, you know, just with all of that, to me, part of my role is to open people's eyes. I'm not forcing them to uh, take on any sort of perspective or worldview, but I do want them to be exposed to narratives that are probably different than many, not all, but some of our some of our members. That's so important because we we lead in communities that don't look just like the school leader. And I'm talking from my own experience as a white male, right? And so I need to care about and uh, be curious and be a learner in terms of other people's experiences that are going to be different than mine, so that I could effectively serve them as a leader, right? So we've we've read books like How to Be Anti-Racist. Uh, we read recently uh The Person You Mean to Be. And right now we're digging into a, a very difficult book called Cast, which is it's not like it has, it's not like it's organized like a leadership book, right? It's just a look at the history of the United States, right? And looking at it from a a, a brown person's perspective and some of the things that that community has experienced, you know, within the, within America. And, uh, that's been a hard read, a very, very difficult read for the majority of our members. So much. So they say like, when does it get better? Like, and what's the solution And the book doesn't really offer anything. So that could be frustrating for the members as well, but I wanted them just to sit in that tension and then to, to discover, I keep telling them you're the hope. You are the answer, right? In terms of the impact that a school leader can have on a community uh, and the willingness that he or she has to dig in these type of topics versus, you know, bury your head in the sand and pretend that everything's just fine. Everybody's getting along, you know, and uh, anyways, being totally ignorant of the reality. So we just, we, we have the conversation. We have a lot of questions, you know. Not necessarily a lot of answers, but the answer is the school leader, in my opinion, because they're the ones who can make the difference.
1: yeah, it is so uncomfortable to have a lot of those discussions, you know, whether you're in a room full of you know people who look like you or in a mixed room you know full of people who are very different, and that changes the dynamic of the room, but either way, it's a really difficult conversation to have, but so important um and like you said and really what we do as school leaders is we help to open eyes and expose narratives and when we can do that for ourselves and when we can do that for our students that's really when the learning happens and where the growth occurs yep so taking a breath from that you know i run an elementary school can you share a story that you remember from your elementary school years that stands out in your mind
2: so many uh i think one from fifth grade, so we'll please still consider that elementary. But I remember I was sitting in class and just the teacher reading basically like kind of a, a riddle or a you had to solve what was going on, you know. It wasn't a crime story. But I just remember that uh there there was like a a courtroom scene and you know the person is like trying to defend what was going on and they were talking about this note that they had written, but supposedly they were in a car as well. And I said, there was no way that the note could have been perfectly written if they were bouncing around in the car and this kind of thing. And the teacher said, you got it. I just remember that experience because I was like, whoa, I just felt so smart in that moment, you know, and uh, it was a really cool time. So that one is just all about me. But if we go back to third grade, uh, Mrs. Beerman, and I I put her in my first book, too. She really made learning come alive for me and I think for my peers as well, because she had Such a great passion for dinosaurs. That's the right age probably too. Kids are still really interested in dinosaurs, that kind of thing. I had dinosaur toys, wood blocks, books, etc. Plus it's, you know, growing up in Chicago and you got all the great museums. So the Field Museum has Sioux, which is just a massive T Rex, you know, and they got they got fossils of all sorts of dinosaurs. But that was the culminating sort of milestone event too, was that Learn, learn, learn this unit about dinosaurs and then go visit the museum. And I just remember that uh, really connecting the dots for everything, all of the hard work we were doing in the classroom. We then went to the museum and uh, got to, I guess, see it come to life, even though obviously you're looking backward. Mrs. B also had us like do a lot of acting and role play and that kind of stuff. And so uh, we just, we had fun. It was creative. It was fun. Just some memorable moments, you know, acting for our parents and you know, just saying these different lines and zingers and like the crowd going nuts. And then you, you go back to your classroom and all the kids are like, you did it, you know, so (laughs) those are some of the things that I remember.
1: Yeah, we, we remember those things that stand out that shifted our emotions. So we know that like learning happens and learning sticks when there's that moment of disruption and everything's not the same as it was, but you've connected to it in some way. Yeah. And it sounds like Mrs. Bierman was really good at that.
2: <laughs> yeah, she was.
1: And getting you out of the space, getting into a new place. like You remember the field trip. You remember seeing Sue. I remember seeing Sue in Chicago. <laughs> you know, that's a, It's an experience <laughs> that you remember. Yeah. So, Danny, you have a new book coming out, The Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. So I'd love to take the last few minutes, share a little bit about your new book, and then tell us how we can get in touch with you.
2: Thanks, Tanya. The new book, uh, I'm super pumped about it. It was interesting because Corwin came to me to say, hey, let's tell the story of how you serve school leaders. So I thought that was interesting to say the least because they were pitching me to do it.
1: Best book deal ever.
2: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And I felt a bit uncomfortable about it because there is a business side to it, right? Like membership isn't free and, and that kind of thing. And so I I had to really figure out how do we talk about what makes the mastermind a special place and make that useful for the, the reader. Of course, I hope some percentage of readers come and decide at some point to potentially work with me. But even if they don't, is there a way to move forward what I call my just cause, which is to connect, grow, and mentor every school leader who wants to level up? And so... You know, I, I, really, I really thought deeply about what made our community special. I came up with this framework called the ABCs of uh, Powerful Professional Development. And so what the reader will experience, first, we'll learn a little bit about the challenges that school leaders face when just going to professional development and why it may be lacking these days. But then the rest of the book talks about how do you integrate the ABCs, which are authenticity, Belonging and challenge. And each part of those goes into a deeper dive, right? I won't do them all, but for example, authenticity is made up of safety, self awareness, and being values driven. So the point is whether it's a classroom teacher or a building principal, considering how to integrate more safety, more self awareness, more values driven, you know, leadership or pedagogy, that's going to have a ripple effect within the classroom or the local school if you're following me. So we did it like the editor gave me some very positive feedback and to date, this is the thing I've made that I'm the most proud of. And it's an extremely like it's well-researched, but conversational and practical. So you will get those ideas that will improve your, your education experience, no matter what role you're at. So tons of case studies, there's jokes. If you're the first to review the book, can snap me a pic, like I'll send you a pizza, <laughs> literally. So there's a lot of like little Easter eggs in there too, for the people who really dig in. So we'll see what happens. The other really amazing, like professional milestone, if I could share super fast is that Ariel, my senior editor, she didn't tell me at the time, because if it didn't work out, I never would have known. But she said, Hey, I sent the book to the AASA, which is the you know National Superintendents Association. I'm like, what? You did what? And she's like, they loved it and they want to co-publish it. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what doors might open or how we'll just be able to scale this. And at the end of the day, right, make a ruckus in education with more leaders. So that's, that's a very exciting, you know, space to be. In terms of uh, contacting me on social, I'm at alien earbud, which is an anagram, you know, for my name, take the, Letters from Daniel Bauer mix them up and you get that funny uh, image of an alien with earbuds in his ears. Uh, Daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com, dot com, you know, is the email, and then if you want to call or text, it's three one two seven eight eight seven five nine five.
1: Thank you. Congratulations on the book. What an incredible way to impact so many more leaders.
2: Thanks. You know, so much goes into it, right? It's such a labor of love. So we'll see um, how people respond. But I'm, I'm very I'm very positive, you know, with anticipated and what might, what might happen.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. This has been a great conversation and I look forward to talking with you when I get a chance to be on the Better Leaders, Better School podcast.
2: That's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So thank you so much, Tanya. And uh, hello to all the Rebel Educators. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Danny.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rebel Educator podcast. To learn more about us, visit rebeleducator.com, where you can learn about our professional development opportunities for educators and students, and see our project library. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out our progressive, inclusive elementary school, UP Academy, at upacademysf.com. We'd like to say a special thank you to Atmosphere for use of their audio track, Miho. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you well, no matter where your educational journey may lead. There are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out Learning, which unlocks the benefits of FlexTime without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your FlexTime work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com b to learn more and receive $500 off your first year, that's MyFlexLearning.com BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's I-X-L dot com slash B-E.